Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. Hey everybody, this is Shane Claiborne, and I'm so glad that you could join me for the show today. Uh, it is a wild time to be alive. Woo, man, a lot going on in our country over here in the American experiment in democracy. And we're, there's a lot happening around the world. I mean, a lot of us have been seeing what's happening in Brazil, what's going on and, um, you know, our, our uh, heartbroken by the tragedy and um, Korea. And so uh, there's just, it feels like every day our, you know, obviously still thinking about the Ukraine and Russia. And so, whoo, but one of the things is that we are a, a generation living in a time of extreme inequity, uh, the most pronounced inequity that we've ever had between the super rich and the super poor, where we have a handful of people less than a hundred people that that own the same amount as half the world. And we have masses of, uh, of our population living in desperate poverty at the same time that people have more money than they can ever imagine. People, CEOs that are making more in one hour than their workers make in a, a year. So, I mean, it just blows the mind. And the gospel has everything to do with that. That's why we're here, because we believe that Jesus didn't just talk about going to heaven when we die, but you read the gospels, the red letters of Jesus, and he talked about day laborers and wages and <laughs> parables uh, of debt forgiveness and uh, people that were upset that they didn't get paid what they thought they uh, deserved when others got paid. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's incredible as you read the, the gospels how um, anchored on the earth they are. And that's what we really are all about at Red Letter Christians is a faith that certainly celebrates life after death, but also believes in life before death and that, that the, the kingdom of God is not just something we're going to go up to when we die, but something that we're to usher in and participate in uh, coming on earth as it is in heaven. So I get to have a lot of good uh conversation partners on the show, but I don't always get to have one of my close friends and someone that I've worked with for a lot of years. Um, and and uh, uh, so you're in for a treat today. My guest is Don Golden, who for several years was the executive director at Red Letter Christians, really helped us get where we are today. Hey, buddy, it's good to see you. Good to see you, Shane. I love you. I love that energy. And what an intro. Beautiful. Well, and, and you've done a lot of stuff. I mean, before and after Red Letter Christians, uh, uh, you've, you're a great writer and leader. You helped uh, Rob Bell write his uh, best book, right? Um, <laughs> Co-authored with you. And um, you, and, but you know, now you're doing this really interesting work that we're going to talk about, which is um, the Just Capital Quotient. And I want you to tell us where you get the name from in a minute, because that's 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 big. That's a big name. Um, but you've been you're the founder and and principal there um, 
and 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 it's it's visionary missional work you said you feel like you you're uh you got got the missional mindset like you hadn't had in a lot of years but your mission is going into the belly of the beast really to um help us reimagine economics and to uh on your website it says uh revolutionary capitalism so some people might think that's an oxymoron but we're going to get into it man so tell us about just capital quotient and you know where the name comes from yeah sure so um just capital quotient we do two things con- consulting on what i would what i'm calling uh, integral business practices which we can talk a little bit about and then uh, impact investing trying to deploy capital to uh help great founders solve problems um, mm. in the world. And actually, JC, you know, we, 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 we know a man with Good. some initials, JC, and I think we can take a quotient. We can, we can kind of measure what kind of Jesus Christ quotient, what kind of justice and compassion we're deploying in the world, especially in the economy. So, just capital quotient is really about, are we making a measurable difference with the wealth and power God has entrusted it to us? We're we're blessed with much, and we can keep it as long as we're willing to, to give it away for the cause of uh, justice and righteousness in the world. So, Just Capital Quotient is really all about um, helping us do that. Yeah, and so I grew up uh, Methodist, you know, with John Wesley, and, you know, the radical economics of Wesley was, um, you know, he said, if I die with more than 10 pounds, may every person call me a liar and a thief. Wow. Because I've d- d- betrayed the gospel and the poor. Wow. And he said, if I if I find money in my hands, I get rid of it as quick as my I can before it corrupts my heart. <laughs> you wow. know, but That's there's true. a lot of folks that, you know, kind of bought into this kind of Protestant work ethic. And, you know, that we need to make as much as we can so we can give as much as we can. And I think it strays a little bit from some of the stuff that Wesley had in mind about, you know, kind of. Uh, this radical faithfulness to Jesus and to the poor that's in touch with the suffering. So tell me a little bit um, about like how it might um, overlap with some of the ideas of capitalism and how it would critique it, the work that you're doing, revolutionary capitalism, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Well, if you don't mind, maybe a little bit of Bible. Yeah. How about some Bible? The first martyr of the church, Stephen, he's executed right after he quotes a text. The text he quotes is, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool, what kind of house will you build me? Mm. And that angers the powers that be so much that they execute him. Why? Well, because he's actually quoting Isaiah 61, when the prophet is basically telling the powers and be at Jerusalem that you're about to go into an exile of irrelevance. The lights are about to go out. Why? Because you lost the plot. God brought you out of slavery, gave you power, and that was the perfect time for you to become a city set on a hill, to to use power and privilege to uphold justice and righteousness. But you didn't do it. And so, what I'm saying to you is you think you're all that, but heaven is my throne. I keep my feet where you are. The big question for you is, what kind of house Will you build me? Interestingly, Isaiah is borrowing from 2 Samuel when David's like, hey, why am I living in a house of cedar and the Lord is uh, without a temple? And then God says, hey, I have always been down with the people. I've never lived in a building lined with cedar. What kind of house would you build me? 
I so like the tent. Is, I like the tent we were in. See, yeah. look, at see look at that. But you know, the, the the real question is: Is this a house for everybody? Are mm. we going to build a place that we can all live in, that we can share the goodies, that we can thrive? And what's fascinating is that that word in Greek, household. What kind of household will you build me? Is the word oikos, where we get the word economy. So the primary question that the Lord is putting to the church is, what kind of economy will you build me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, you know, so, so the, the, the question, the, the prophetic question is today, isn't about the system. Is it a communist system who owns the means of production? Is it a capitalist system, freedom? The question is a covenantal question. Will you build a circle in which you've figured out how to arrange uh, the goodies in life in such a way that they can be shared. Is there such a thing as a life-giving economy? And brother, after 30 years in the world of nonprofits, you know, if you take the whole world's economy, household, and divide it into 200 parts, all the charity of every form in the world will only be four parts. Mm. There is literally no way to bring healing. There's no way to overcome the fundamental challenges that undermine us unless we have a new economy. Yeah. So, so the missionary in me, it's like, I feel like a missionary for the new economy. It's emerging. Things are happening that are really worth celebrating people on the right and on the left. You know, whether you got a red t-shirt or a blue t-shirt, people are coming together around the green, the good green, and, and doing good things with money and, and kind of overcoming our polarization. Yeah, and you know what? When I I did your bio, I was uh, a little informal because we're we're such good friends. But you, I mean, you have a lot of experience behind this too of working in senior leadership at uh, large organizations like uh, you know World Vision and others. And so it's it's uh, out of that experience that kind of is framing what you're doing now. Um, but you know, I was thinking uh, our mutual friend Peter Greer a while back. We were invited by the you know American. Uh, Enterprise Institute. So the yeah. think tank of American capitalism, that's what, you know, yeah, right, they're kind of right. known as. And they asked yeah. us to debate, would Jesus be a communist or a capitalist? And, you know, I don't know that they knew how what good of friends Peter and I were, but, you know, but we we said, uh, you know, I, I said, I, I don't think Jesus uh, did very well with anything that that ends in ist, you know, all the ist and isms. And, well, yeah, you know, Jesus was, exactly. I mean, God, God with love, you know, God's love made manifest for us. So God was, Jesus is an existential lover that's challenging all the best and the worst of the system. So, you know, when you think of this though, you, I mean, you're, you, on your website, it says, you know, you're, it's a capitalist world. The question is what kind of capitalism will we choose? And capitalism's kind of evolved, right? Now we think of this kind of corporate capitalism and like the, it's not working for so many people. So when you raise the question of what does an economy of, of love look like. Um, I think of so many of the scriptures have to do with shaping our imagination on that, right? Of Jubilee, where we're, yeah. you know, redistributing property, land, we're, re, you know, releasing people from debt, getting rid of slavery, yeah. we're, you know, letting the land rest. But I also think of, you know, Jesus's teaching too, is that this, it's ingrained in all, so much of it, right? This idea that um, we can't have more than we need while our neighbor has less than they they need, you know, uh, John the Baptist saying, "If you got two tunics, give one away." You know, Jesus saying, "Sell it you have and give it to the poor." Yeah, so yeah, let's yeah. talk. Let's, let's keep going on the scripture a little bit because that's you know I think that's our our uh, 
uh, gives us such good pointers on economics. And you talk some about the rich young rulers. So let's talk about that a little bit. Like, you know, I, I think that's one of the most radical teachings of Jesus where you really see him, uh, this idea that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, uh, you got to sell what you have and give it to the poor. Um, so talk, you, you've done some work on that verse and sort of, uh, uh, you called, I think called it the first century Warren Buffett, right? So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking for a little, uh, little judo move there. You know? <laughs> uh, first of all, I am not a po- an apologist for capitalism. I am something, maybe it's my age at 55, a bit of a realist. What we live in a system, you know, when I, I you, you hear people tearing down capitalism and then say, my Patreon is right here. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, mm. I am beholden to this system. I am all into this system. And I hate this system. And, and I, I think there's coming a day of communism. You know, I think there's a communism coming. So I, mm. I'm not really an ultimate. What I am now is just how can I and how can we deploy our energy to do good in the world? So that passage Mm. A couple of things that to me, I think, are fascinating there. Um, one is that, you know, Jesus meets the re- rich young ruler. He gets, he falls on his knees. What can I do to be saved? Jesus lists the second half of the Ten Commandments all about ethics with others. I've done all of that. And Jesus says, you know, the one thing you lack, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And he walks away sad because he was rich. I mean, that's poignant. That's powerful. <laughs> but past the one thing in that passage that really sticks out to me is Jesus saying, uh, it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't look at him and judge him. Oh, that, you know, look at that red chariot he pulled up in. You know, it's just, I mean, you know, it's just he looked at him and loved him. You know, he did he didn't say to the to the demon possessed man who who he cast the demons out of come and follow me he says like go home kind of get yourself sorted out be a witness there but to this young man he looked at him and loved him and said come and follow me this was jesus in talent acquisition strategy you know what i mean this is come and be on my team and then this guy saying i can't do it i have to walk away Hmm. one interesting thing about this is Jesus is a prophet. Jesus is the prophet par excellence. He knows the future through the patterns of the past. He knows that a precarious empire based on injustice and distorted religion under the heel of a coercive empire is not going to stand. He had already said, not one stone will be left on another. That young man who walked away 34 Mm. years later, lost everything. Mm. Everything he owned was gone. So the Warren Buffett idea is you need to to diversify your risk portfolio, young man. Mm. Because right now you've got everything you're standing on. Your, Your life and your soul are standing on something in the eyes of faith we can see will be wiped away. The only place that you can stand is that inner place of truth where you are in fidelity to me and my mission. And I want you to come and join that. Mm. Interestingly, at this time, there are two uh, really powerful Greek words defining love. The love of God, agape, that we know about. But eros was the, the energy of life, which we talk about 
sort of sexual love, but it's also the energy of life that rises to the one. They, the Greeks called it the, the love of the many for the one, and agape being the one of the, the love of the one for the many. And eros in, in Greek uh, theology was the child of poverty and wealth. And the child of poverty and wealth, if we don't have poverty or need inside our economy mm. that we engage with healthily, we become decadent. Too much wealth without an engagement with poverty becomes decadent. Too much uh, poverty without wealth becomes degrading. And so, I believe that the rich young ruler was being called into a fuller richness with Christ instead of how we read it, which is, man, I hope at the end of the day, I don't have to give my money away. I think the mm -hmm. question is, what are you standing on that's giving you meaning and wealth today? Put it in Jesus and his mission. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, I think of, uh, I heard someone, we were, we were talking about that scripture, and they said, the, the, sometimes we think it's saying that rich people are not allowed into the kingdom of God. You know, I mean, it says it's harder to fit a camel through the eye of a needle. That seems pretty impossible. And, and, uh, I think it was Chad Myers that said this. He said, but it's actually more about the nature of the kingdom of God like mm -hmm. than it is about a judgment on this. You don't, we don't have rich folks here and poor folks. We've got family. And so if you're going to come into the family, you got to hold your possessions differently. It's a really great framework, right? Because it's less about like, you know, how much and how little. It's more about love. Like, like what does love require of us? And why would I have two coats in my closet if someone's still cold? Right, and right. and I think that's why like redistribution's meaningful if it's rooted in love. Uh, that it's the prescript. It's it's not the prescription. It's the description. You know, the early church like they shared everything they had. Um, not because they were communists, but because they loved their neighbor. And that's what love requires of us, right? Yeah. So, hey, we're going to get back into it in just a second, y'all. But thanks for listening in. If you're just tuning in, I'm Shane Claiborne. And my my uh, uh, special guest today is, is a good friend, Don Golden, who is now uh, one of the, the main leaders of the organization he started, Just Capital Quotient. And you can uh, check more check it out more at justcapitalquotient.com. And... So, you know, as we keep thinking about this, bro, um, you know, what a, what an economy of love looks like, um, th there, there seems to be a lot of charity in the world, you know, and I think you and I have both saw, seen the, um, the downside of, of charity in that it's, uh, ironically, one of the cheapest ways to to feel like we've done something responsible is by writing a check. And yeah. I mean, you think of even someone like panhandling on the street, sometimes you give them five bucks just because you don't want to interact with them. People write checks, but don't necessarily get involved. And Jesus didn't seem to be a broker, right? Just brokering money to the poor, but, but actually building a new community uh, where we don't have rich and poor, but we got family and that redefines everything. You know, it's good news to the poor. It's sometimes hard news for the rich, you know, especially if we've hid behind those possessions and they've defined who we are. So um, what, what would you say to how's what you're doing right now kind of different from charity yeah. and how we think it traditional charity? Yeah, you know, I think charity thinking is something we have to overcome. And I mean that in two ways. One is just the sort of general power differential and, and you know, the dependency and the status quo. I give to you, I feel okay, I go about my way and my conscience is clean. That's, you know, one way charity thinking undermines us. But I think the other way is that ultimately people are often delegating their 
their creative force, their, their life and legacy of impact, they're delegating it to a third party and an institution that's kind of taking that from them. And their deepest joy is really found in uh, that work of making an impact in the world, you know, where our, our deepest hunger and deepest longing meets the world's deepest hunger and deep, deepest longing. Mm. Uh, that's, that's what we're call, called to do. And so today you have business intra- entrepreneurs that need to be released to create new solutions to the world's problems. You know, we have some mega problems with, uh, with, with every aspect of the economy, and it really requires new um, entrepreneur, those who can call things that be not as though they were, you know? Come on, and, yeah. And that's what entrepreneurs have the gift to. So, to, so many people think when they get to their uh, – you know, they achieve their wealth. Okay, now I can start giving. Man, when you achieve your wealth, you're 80% there. Now just get started. You know, get started. What? How can I use this wealth and power to solve problems? Yeah. A new economy, so. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Well, just that a new economy is emerging. We see signs of it. Uh, and, and it's more just, it's more inclusive, and it's more regenerative to the planet. And th- those are technologies that we have to create. And so, if you feel like you're kind of off, uh, you're, you're free in your, your um, calling to make an impact because you give to charity, you've robbed yourself of something. You know, my, at my church, they say you were born on purpose for purpose. And we got to discover that purpose and not give it away to charities. We got to find it ourselves and we may partner with charities, but it's not likely that they're going to be changing the world. Mm-hmm. Uh- yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, as, as you're thinking about imagination and different people's gifts and, mm-hmm. you know, our passions meeting the world's pain, um, mm-hmm. uh, there's so many thoughts that come to my mind. But, I mean, there's folks that are making a lot of money off things that destroy life or that just things that are, you know, they're kind of cool, but they're not that meaningful. You know, <laughs> you know I mean? I, I'm not going to name names, but I, but I, th- I start to think like, you know, there's there's so if we if we all had our gifts thinking of like, not how do we um, design military drones mm-hmm. in new ways, but but how do we like have fingerprint technology on guns, right? For instance, that might yeah. save a lot of lives and make it harder right. to use a stolen gun. A kid finds a gun in the house. And, and my friends have said, everything that we have to make that happen is there, yeah. except for our will. Like we we've got phones and security systems that operate off a fingerprint. We've sent people to the moon. Some of these things like gun violence, like there's a role that technology and entrepreneurs play in all this, you know, that folks with really great minds can help us like build a better world. So sometimes it's hard to get real concrete, but tell us a story of, because you're working on systems and structures, but like what what's something that you've seen real concretely? Let me, let me give you one. Work? Yeah. Africa has been the uh, provider of raw sources for the the uh, power and connectedness of the Western world for 150 years. One of the most important, the rarest, the rarest mineral in our solar system is tantalum. Everything that's powering our connected lives right now is based on tantalum. 80% of it comes from Africa and there's not one refinery. 
But a, a God-honoring, Jesus-loving Brit named Ray Power has done all the work to take that technology to Rwanda. And with our friends at Talenton, an investment company, our club has gotten involved in investing in this Talenton mine and refinery to do it ethically, to make sure it's conflict-free, to make sure there's uh, that it's regenerative to the mines, but more importantly, that Africans can begin to benefit from what we're all benefiting from all the time. Mm. This is the first time that it's happened, and it's one enlightened, Jesus-loving entrepreneur. You know, you, you say this idea of teach a man to fish and or you know, give a hungry man a fish he can eat, teach a man to fish, and he can feed himself for a lifetime. Give a man the fundamental physics and the engineering, and he can build his own world. Mm. And that's what Ray Power through Power Resources International is doing in Rwanda through this tantalum mine and refinery. And we, a group of uh, uh, investors, have gotten in with him. So that's just one example of many. Yeah. I want to tell you about the apostles of paint. You know, we have to beautify, protect, and preserve the earth. And there are painters now um, in the U.S. working on a more ethical way and a more a regenerative way of covering and beautifying the assets that we have to live in. We got to paint. We really mm -hmm. do. And so how can we do that in a way that gives back more to people and planet than it takes? That kind of stuff's happening all over the place. I love that stuff. I love it, and man. We, we had a block party the other day where somebody had a blender that was operated by a bicycle. So they're making smoothies for all the kids, you know, and uh, you're like, oh, man, this awesome. is, you can't make this stuff up. But like, that's beautiful. I mean, especially in a neighborhood. We, we got kids drinking kale smoothies, you know, like because uh, they made it on a bike. And so uh, the last thing, you know, I mean, this half hour flew by, but in the last minute, you know, Jesus names the power of mammon. Yeah, yeah. And and kind of in contrast with which 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 uh, master are you going to serve? What can everyday people do to, like, keep ourselves protected from the power of that that kind of spiritual force yeah. Jesus names as mammon? Yeah, yeah. You know, money is storable, fungible, countable power. Mm. You know, you can give to Caesar what is Caesar's and God's what is God. You can co you can get around Caesar, but you can't get around mammon. When you give that power away to the, its demon forces, mm. it undermines us. Power is a life, a money is a life-giving resource of power that we have to use to uphold justice and righteousness. Mm. I uh, love talking with you, Shane. Yeah, dude. So, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll do it again soon, bro. We'll yeah, do it let's again do it soon. Again. Hey, listen, everybody, check out Don Golden. Check out their work, Just Capital Quotient. And um, and you can also see a lot of Don at Red Letter Christians because he helped lead us for many years. So, thanks for listening, y'all. We're out of time, but we love you. Awesome. We'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. But at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.